Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities. Welcome to Smart City Viewpoints. I'm Jim Frazier, Vice President of Smart Cities here at ARC. Today, we'll be talking about the significant benefits of using standards for your smart city project. And I'll start a little, I'll get a little poetic in the beginning of this segment. Uh, Many of us know the Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken. It concludes with three famous lines. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Well, taking the road less traveled, may, while it may be rewarding in other aspects of business and life, doing so in the domain of your smart city project will expose you to a plethora of negative, unintended consequences. A far better suggestion is to take the standards and best practices route, a route traveled by many, many others. So while there are many benefits to the use of standards, Um, Four of the most important include, number one, future-proofing, so you can avoid technological and business process obsolescence, so that your project has a very lengthy life and isn't impacted by uh, proprietary uh, obsolescence in the future. Number two, product commodification. Standards tend to drive down costs and to broaden the amount of products available uh, in a particular domain. Number three, once products are commodified by through application of a standard, development of new features are, are sped and hastened as manufacturers attempt to differentiate their offering, offerings far beyond that of the standard. And perhaps the most important and the most powerful of all is number four, virtually free access to the accumulated intelligence of very large ecosystems of domain experts. So using standards and best practices allows the designer, installer, end user, and maintenance organizations to adopt proven tried and true methods for each step of a project over the entire life cycle from project inception to project retirement and disposal. Now, with all that being said, let's talk a little bit about what is a standard. And I'll issue a warning that not all standards are created equal. So there there is a standards continuum that was published originally by the Smart Grid Interoperability Panel in 2014 that uh, I happen to like. And in its continuum, Um, It ranges from two-party standards or specifications over to very broad international standards. 
So two-party proprietary specifications are not standards. They're at one end of the continuum. And moving across that continuum, you may find that there are de facto alliances that create um, documents that can be called specifications and arguably standards as well. Um, moving a little further down the continuum, there are user groups that, have, that typically have better documented and more open specifications that can also be called standards. Uh, they're, they're a bit more documented and open than alliances. And then, of course, um, we have national and international de jour um, standards. So the first three, two-party and alliance and user groups, often create de facto standards uh, out of their specifications and requirements. But you really want to look towards national and international organizations to create that create de jour standards. You know, specifications and requirements in, um, in for de facto uh, standards are often defined by single or multiple persons, smaller groups. They are often proprietary in nature. They're quickly developed to support inter interconnection and integration of differing devices and systems. And frankly, that time is very quick. It usually takes a period of months. You know, alliances, trade groups, consortiums, user groups that embrace a particular technology uh, typically form formal user formal interest groups to promote that particular view. The difference between an alliance and a uh, or a user group and a formal standards group is in both the rules and the actual deliverable. Since any number of and balance of interested parties can form an alliance, the rules under which they operate are very broad and frankly, very often may not really take into account the view of all the stakeholders. So in contrast to alliance and smaller groups that move much more quickly, Standards development organizations, abbreviated as SDOs, operate under similar rules and governance principles worldwide. In general terms, the members of these committees doing the actual development work are limited by antitrust rules or laws from engaging in anti-competitive behavior, such as market division, pricing discussions, and similar issues. Also, intellectual property is treated as a potential source for standards language and requires disclosure by the holder you know, as that standard becomes developed. One clear distinction from alliance or user groups is that strict control is maintained of the candidate voter pool for balloting to ensure a measure of fairness, fairness and balance. For example, the American National Standards Institute ANSI has three categories, producer, user, and general interest. And for balloting purposes, no single category can exceed one half of eligible voters. Formal standards and many specifications may actually begin, as we discussed a little earlier, as de facto standards, with enough commonality among enough producers to call the product the approach, the protocol, a quote-unquote standard. 
Beyond this, those standards development organizations, SDOs, actually author de jure standards, those that are codified in a manner very similar to laws. And given that very careful attention to balloting balance, open rules, and open participation, standards may even be adopted in place of laws in certain jurisdictions. Standards meet the goal of creating a common basic understanding of a technology. And unless the scope of a standard includes interoperability tests or guidelines, a technology could only be stated to be in compliance with a standard. For true confirmation of interoperability of system components, a comprehensive test plan really needs to be developed. In regards to smart city efforts, as, the, as they begin to mature, standards and best practices are increasingly coming into reality. Some are being sourced from traditional and well-known standards development organizations in parallel industries in the smart city ecosystem, like those from the USDO Department of Energy's smart grid effort and USDOT's intelligent transportation systems domains. Others come from various related organizations like the Illuminating Engineering Society, has a smart city update for roadway lighting control systems. And some, like the IEEE P2784, which is a guide, a systems engineering guide for technology and planning processes to build a smart city, are truly be being built natively from the ground up. There's a variety of places that you can go to learn to learn more about this. The Institute of Transportation Engineers has a tremendous resource online. It's the Intelligent Transportation Systems Professional Capacity Building Program. Within there, there are over 80 90-minute to two-hour uh, professional engineering CEU webinars that are free and offer CEU credits for professional engineers. The IEEE has the, the previously mentioned P2784 Smart City Planning Technology Standard that is in its draft phase, as well as a by actually every two week IEEE Smart Cities webinar which very frequently highlights standards in the domain. ISO has the ISO Committee on Consumer Policy, which is ISO COPOLCO, C-O-P-O-L-C-O, which focuses upon helping consumers benefit from standardization and as well as means of improving customer participation in national and international standardization efforts. The United Nations International Telecommunications Union, the UNITO, harmonizes a broad range of standards across international borders across the world, including those of the smart grid, intelligent transportation systems, and many, many others. And lastly, I'll mention the National Electrical Manufacturers Association their smart city initiative is focusing on grid modernization as well as energy efficiency modeling for industrial and building systems. 
in order to make customers and regulators much more comfortable with the idea of a systems-based approach to energy conservation. So I hope you've enjoyed this brief overview of standards and their impact in the world and ecosystem of smart cities. We thank you for listening today, and we look forward to you listening to future Smart City Viewpoints podcasts. Thank you very much. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities.